It is the middle of September, and um, you know, I grew up going to school like many of you did, but after I got out of school, uh, I married a teacher, and then I had students, uh, kids who were teachers, and in the academic world, the education world, it's kind of like January is the new year, but the fall is like, it's the beginning of the year. I don't know, it's, it's kind of a weird phenomenon. And it kind of plays through in the church. The church kind of has a way of building its calendar around Coming out of summer, there's kind of a retreat, a rest, and then you move into the fall, and, and you start your new programs, you start your new things. And when I start something new, I have a habit of looking back at where I've been and, and refocusing. You know, what is it, what's, what's, what are the basics, what are the building blocks, what's the foundation of what we're doing and why we're doing it as we think about where we're going and what we're going to do next. And this morning's message comes out of that vein. We're starting something new. What are, what are the foundations of this new thing that we're going to be doing this fall? What are the foundations that we're building on? And I observe three things uh, as I read Scripture that have kind of been part of the fabric of my faith and I think really part of the fabric of what it means to be the people of God. The first is this that God's people are always going somewhere. God's people are always going somewhere. Life with God is a nomadic life. It is always on the move. Interesting, they don't always know where they're going or how they're going to get there, but they're always on the move. Abram is considered the, the father of faith. His story goes back to Genesis chapter 12, and, and God had created the world in, in wonder and awe and beauty and had fallen to sin, and, and things went amok and kind of got worse and worse and worse through the first 11 chapters of Genesis. And we come to Genesis chapter 12, and God says, I'm going to start something new through a man called Abraham. And he calls Abraham, and he says to Abraham, go from your people and your father's household, to the land I will show you. And it says in chapter 12, verse 4, So Abraham went as the Lord told him. Notice that when he tells Abraham, he calls Abraham, he says, Abraham, I want you to go. He doesn't tell him where he's going to go. He just says, go to the land that I'm going to show you. And part of what makes Abraham the, the father of faith is when God said to Abraham, go, Abraham left. He sets out on a journey. Reading on through the story, you come to, the, um, to Moses, who was the man who would lead Abraham's nation out of bondage in Egypt. And, and Abraham ran away from his calling, but God called him in a burning bush and sent him back. And he says, lead my people out of Egypt to the land that I had promised Abraham hundreds of years ago. So now Abraham, or Moses is leading people on a journey. There's a whole list of saints that are part of the story in the Bible. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 rehearses many of those saints, and it says this about them. Hebrews chapter 11, <clears throat> excuse me, 13. All these people, all these people who had followed God, all these people who were living the life of God, living by faith when they died, did not receive the things God had promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners 
and strangers on the earth. They were people who were not at home. People who say such things know that they are looking for a country of their own. They're not where they're supposed to be. They're going someplace else. They're looking for another place. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had an opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. This is the story of everybody in the Old Testament. They were one place, but they were longing for another place, and they lived their whole life on a journey to another place. When Jesus enters the scene, he issues an invitation to his disciples. And the invitation always goes something like this. Follow me. Peter, James, John, they were fishermen. Jesus says to them, follow me. Leave where you are and follow me to where I'm going to take you. The the first century church, one one of the first names that was given to it was the way. It was people who were going someplace, people on the way. By way of contrast, what you see is when God's people in the midst of this story, when they settled, when they stopped moving, when they stopped going where they were supposed to be going, when they settled down, things never went well. Cain killed his brother Abel, and then he fled, and he went to a city, and he actually built the first city, settled down, right? Before that, they're, they're wandering. He built a city. And he calls it, he names it after his son Enoch, and Enocho becomes the first Chicago, like the Myrtle capital of the world. They stopped, they settled, they built the city, things went poorly. Reading on through Genesis chapter 11, this is right before Abraham enters the scene. It says, now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shemar, and settled there. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Let's build a building that will make us famous. Otherwise, we'll be scattered. We'll be spread out. In the Old Testament book of Judges, it was the story as God had called Abraham. He made of him a great nation, and then they go into bondage in Egypt. Moses leads them out. They finally end up in the promised land. They're finally in Canaan. They're finally at home, and they're settling down. But in this place where they settle, what happens is every time they get complacent, they get corrupted. And every time they get corrupted, they get conquered. And every time they get conquered, they get corrected. The story plays out over and over and over again. Some of us are homesteaders, aren't we? Some of us are homesteaders. We want to be safe and secure in our homes to create our own little slice of heaven. 
on earth. Through a, a, um, a grant, uh, I was invited to do, uh, to go through this kind of overview of all of my um, kingdom little K. Uh, it, it's a, I sign on with a company through this grant that is looking at all of my assets, all of my investments, all of my liabilities, all of my, my, my budget, our budget, uh, all of our protections, life insurance, uh, health insurance, homeowner's insurance, car insurance, looking at everything and advising me on what I need to do to make my kingdom secure. And they're saying, you need more insurance here, and you need more coverage there, and you got to put this money here instead of there, and you got to do this. And, and as I go through this process, there's a part of me that's like, man, you are trying to eliminate every potential risk in my life. You're trying to build, and, and I want to be a good steward, right? And I want to provide for my family. I want to make sure they're taken care of if something tragic happens, or, you know, I, I want but, to, but it starts to feel a little bit like you're trying to protect things that simply cannot be protected. But isn't there a part of us that wants that? To, to be like the people in, the, in, in Babel, who want to build this tower so that they won't get scattered, so they can guard their turf, protect their place. Comfort zones are about control. Many of us will resist movement until the pain of where we are exceeds the fear of where we're going. We don't want to go until we are so traumatized by where we are that we are willing to face the unknown. It's got to hurt a lot for many of us. And it's not just about geography. It's not just about geography. We get stuck in bad habits. And we get stuck in unhealthy relationships. And we get stuck Sometimes, not even in anything bad, but just going along to getting along and missing out on God's best for us. God's people are always going somewhere. And they're always going with someone. Life with God is nomadic, and life with God is communal. We were created in the image and likeness of a relational God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we sang about this morning. In the creation story, it says, let us make man in our own image. Male and female, he created them in his image and likeness. Why does he say let us? Why is it plural? Father, Son, Holy Spirit existed eternally in community, in relationship. Since the Garden of Eden, what do we find out? God makes this amazing world and all of this beauty. It's good, it is good, it is good, it is good, it is good. It is not good for man to be alone. Made for relationships. When Abraham left after God called him, it says he took his wife, Sarah, his nephew, Lot, and the people that had become a part of their family in Haran and set out together with his community for the land of Canaan but not just with these people that God had promised Abraham, I'm going to make of you a great nation. Abraham, I'm calling you 
and you're going and you're taking people with you, but I'm making up something, I'm making something much larger than this. I'm going to make a nation around you. God gave him the nation. Moses left Egypt after he went to Pharaoh and called the people out into the wilderness with 600,000 men. And at this point in time, they didn't count women and children, but it says, and the women and children. So I'm like one man, I have one wife, and I have four kids. So there's 600,000 men. Do the math, right? He did not go out into the wilderness alone. He ran away alone, but he came back and God sent him out with a whole community of people. Jesus called to himself when he began his ministry, 12 disciples. And it says this, when, when they called his disciples, he appointed 12 that they might be with him. That Jesus did not go alone. The only time you ever find Jesus doing something by himself in the Gospels, in the account of this Jesus' life, the only time you find him doing something by himself is going off alone to pray. Going off alone to the mountains to meet with the Father. When he goes off in ministry, he takes his disciples with him. When he goes off to heal, he takes his disciples with him. When he's passing the mission on to them, he doesn't send them out alone. He sends them out into the surrounding villages together with another person. Two by two they went out. After the ascension, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, poured it out upon his people. And what happened? The church of Christ we sang about this morning. The church of Christ is born. The church of Christ is the body of Christ. Paul goes to great extent to say that this church is a community of people. It's people bound together in one body by the Holy Spirit. Our faith in Western culture has become very individualized. It's me and Jesus, me and God. You don't find that in the Old Testament and you don't find it in the New Testament. It is a, it is a communal experience. It is the people of God going together. When people in, in the scriptures were left to themselves, it, it never went well. When people are left to themselves, they aren't themselves. When people are left to themselves, they aren't themselves. Elijah was an amazing prophet. He pantsed 850 false prophets on Mount Carmel. Called them out, said, your gods are no gods, my God is the God. Showed them all up, embarrassed them. And then it says, and he left, and he went off to the wilderness. He's in the middle of the desert now, and he's alone. And this great man of courageous, bold faith that had just showed up, all the prophets, all the false prophets, is crying out to God. Kill me, God, because I am the only good guy left in all of creation. He's alone, and he's not himself. When Judas betrayed Jesus, he was alone. 
When Peter denied Jesus, he was alone. When Thomas said, I will not believe Jesus is alive until I see the nail marks in his hands and the piercing in his side. He had not been with the disciples when they saw Jesus. He had been by himself. We were created in love by God for relationship. And we were created for love. It stands to reason then, doesn't it, that people are supposed to be part of our story? That people are an integral part of our lives? Solomon says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. We are better together by design. The great commandment, what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Be in relationship, be connected to, worship God, and love your neighbor as yourself. Be connected to the people around you, to the community of faith. The, Jesus said, I give you a new command. Love one another as I have loved you. Love each other not the way you love yourselves. Love each other the way I loved you. And out of that comes these, all these one another's in the New Testament. That they served one another. That they encouraged one another. That they admonished one another. That they, that they bore one another's burdens. They loved one another. One another, the Christian life, the life of faith is a life of one another, one another, one another, for another. God's people are always going somewhere. They're always going with someone. And they are always going, the third foundation, right, the third thing, is they are always going to do something. They're going somewhere with someone to do something. There is purpose in what they're doing. There's purpose in their life. There's purpose in their lives together. When God blessed Abraham, he says, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, I will curse those who curse you, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Abraham, I'm calling you out. You are my man. I'm going to make of you a great nation. But this is not about Abraham being my guy. This is about Abraham being my guy through which I'm going to bless everyone else. Blessed to be a blessing. Everything I'm giving you is for someone else. It is for a greater cause, for a greater purpose. Jesus left heaven and came to earth. He did not come on vacation. He came to seek and to save the lost. He came to heal the sick. He came to bind up broken hearts and set captives free. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it 
for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their very self. A life lived to oneself is to die to oneself. A life lived in sacrifice to Jesus is a life lived with a life of significance, of value, of purpose. Jesus' death and resurrection, he meets with his disciples, reveals himself to them, gives them more instructions. On on the the last day on planet Earth, before his ascension, he gathers his disciples together. It's recorded in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. I'm sending you somewhere. Go and make disciples of all nations. I'm sending you to do something, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you, not sending you alone. I am with you to the very end of the age. Jesus sent his followers out to continue his work. And whenever God's people got off task, whenever God's people stopped doing the things that they were meant to do, they got in trouble. Back to the beginning. Cain killed his brother Abel because the offering that he offered from the labor of his hands was found lacking. He wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. When the Israelites weren't doing what they were supposed to do, they're following Moses. Um, Deb talked about this in the call to worship this morning. They were always getting off task, off mission. And they ended up grumbling in their tents. Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica. He says, We hear that some among you are idle. You're not doing anything. And because you're idle, you become disruptive. And I love this. He says they are not busy. People who aren't busy, what happens to them? They become busy bodies. Right? People who aren't taking care of their own business start getting involved in other people's business. Whenever God's people get off task, they get in trouble. We were created in the image of a creative, productive God to rule over his creation. That, that job, that responsibility, that calling was abdicated in the garden. So when Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, he's declaring what you abdicated in the garden, the responsibilities that you turned over to the prince of darkness, he says, I've taken it back now. All authority that you gave away, I've got it back And then he turns to them and says, and I'm imparting it to you to go out now and do the work of my kingdom. And Paul took that calling seriously. 
He, the declaration of his life, I press on. I push on. I do not quit. I'm resolved toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Are you pressing on toward the calling that God has given you? My question this morning, as we begin the fall, and a new series, as we recommit to who we are and where we're going and how we're going to get there and who we're going with and what we're going to do, is it time for you to make your next move? Is it time for you to make your next move? Is it time for you to step up and renew your commitment to follow Jesus? Is it time to step up? I want to encourage you. If you hear this and say, yeah, you know what? I've gotten idle. To commit to an eight-week journey that we're going to do together, called Following Jesus Together, and not actually just together with us, but together with, I think, a dozen other churches in our surrounding communities, Bellflower, um, Paramount, Lakewood. Following Jesus Together. Would you commit to an eight-week journey in which what we're going to do is we're going to look at how Jesus walked and lived his life and how his disciples followed him and what that means for us. How do we follow Jesus together on mission? Will you follow Jesus with us? Commit, commit, commit for eight weeks. Uh, don't, not beyond, just for the next eight weeks. Will you commit to being in church every Sunday, to watching online every Sunday, if you miss, if you can't be here, to, to figure out how sometime during the week that you'll, that you'll find a way to connect, to commit, to follow, to learn together, to grow together. Will you follow together through this eight-week journey? Will you step up to follow Jesus afresh? The series is based on a book called Organic Disciples. Uh, it's written by Kevin and Sherry Harney. Uh, if you'd like to, uh, it might be helpful. Um, it will give you a little more content. If you want to read the book, you can buy it on Amazon, Organic Disciples, uh, Kevin and Sherry Harney. Um, it's from Following Jesus and Living as His Disciples. Will you step in? Will you step in to connect with other followers? Will you, will you take this journey, will you, but not take it alone? Will you do it with someone else or someone else, someone's else? Will you do it with other people? <laughs> We're starting new groups next week. I would like to encourage you to join a group. You can join. I'm going to walk you through this, right, by going to the Church Center app. If you don't have the Church Center app, go to the App Store on your iPhone or on your, what is the other one? Because I have an iPhone. Your Android phone. Go to the App Store, and you'll find, type in Church Center in the search, and the icon looks like that, and you download it. Step one, okay? After you do that, you're going to get the Church Center app, and you're going to open it up, 
and you're going to have to probably go through some kind of login process if you haven't already to find the journey uh, in Lakewood, and this, you'll find this page right here, the journey, right? Step two, you'll notice at the bottom of that screen on our Church Center app page, there's three little dots. You're going to click on those three little dots, and that's going to take you to the next page, which has this list. You can watch our services online. Um, you can uh, see the church calendar, check-in, directory. You can also see at the bottom, you can uh, make your uh, contributions to the church uh, schedule. You're going to click on groups. And if you do that, when you click on groups, it's going to take you to this page. And there's going to be a whole list of things that are going on, groups in the life of our church. And uh, about halfway down, you're going to see one that's called Organic Disciples. And you're going to click on Organic Disciples, and it's going to take you to the next page. And it's going to, this looks different because I've already signed up for the group, but it's going to give you a chance there to join the group. All right? So sign up for the group, and then this week I'm going to contact you um, in the next two days with more content, with more information about what group you would like to be in and how we can connect you to a group and when you can meet and when you'll meet to take this journey together. Now, if you're not ready to do that or you're not willing to do that, I challenge you to reconsider. Pray about it. But even then, if you're saying, at least, at least find someone else, another person or a couple people that you'll check in with that you'll take the journey together with. Create your own group if you don't want to be a part of one of our groups. I don't know why you wouldn't want to be. We're great people. We will do an online group too. So if you're watching today and you're not in the house, um, we will find a way to connect you to a group so you can go through the same process and you'll find yourself in the same place and connected to a really beautiful group of people. So we encourage you to do that. Step one, step up. Commit to the eight-week journey. Step two, step in. Connect with other people. Step three, will you step out? to live on mission with Jesus. Will you step out through this eight weeks to say, hey, this is not just about me. This isn't even just about our church community. God wants me to be a part of spreading his love and his grace and his mercy and his kingdom to other people. Will you commit to stepping out and walking with someone else on their faith journey. And you might say, who am I to do anything with someone else? You know, I, I, don't, I don't know anything. How can I help someone? I'm just saying, hey, do you know someone who's a little bit like not behind where you are right now? Maybe two months ago or three weeks ago, you were there, and now you're here, and you can say to them, hey, you know what? I was there, and I would like to you know, take you, just invite you to come with me to here. Right? When Jesus met the woman at the well, you know, we're, we're good at this in the church. We, like, we want to equip people and, and teach them everything they need to know before they go out and they do anything. Jesus, he was not that concerned. He called these disciples. They were a bunch of ruffians. And he just called them and said, okay, I'm sending you out. Go. It's like, we don't know anything. Said, go. We'll figure it out later. I'll teach you as you go. The woman at the well. He calls her. And what does he do? She goes home. She doesn't know anything. She just met Jesus. She goes home and tells everybody, you've got to meet this guy that I just met. Will you step out? And, and with someone, maybe it just begins with identifying somebody and beginning to pray for them on their journey. 
And maybe it's, hey, you know what? Our church is doing this series. I'd like to invite you to come with me. Or I mean this book. I'd like you to read it with me. Or I just, I want to invite you over to lunch or, or, or have dinner together. And just talk about life, about my life and about your life. Will you step up, follow Jesus, walk together with us through this series? Will you step in, connect with a community of faith, grow together? Will you step out? Will you step out and reach out to somebody else on their journey, hold their hand, and walk with them in the next leg of their journey? Here we go. We're going somewhere, we're going together, we're going on purpose with a calling. Lord, thank you for your love and grace and faithfulness to your people and to your church and to us. Through lots of ups and downs, Lord, you are steadfast in your love and in your pursuit. And with that, also relentless in your calling. And when your people wander, you keep calling them back again and again and again. When they get off track, you keep calling them back and you send them out again and again and again. So it's time. We begin a new season in the life of the church. We begin a new series for us to refocus and to recommit, and to reconnect, and to go again for the sake of your glory, for the fulfillment of our calling to press on to take hold of that for which you've taken hold of us, for the life of others. We pray in Jesus' name.